welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers survived a road trip to Nebraska by a final score of 84 to 76 which moves IU to 8 and 5 and 3 and 3 in the league. Uh, this was a, a tale of two halves for sure. IU came out really hot in the first half. Uh, hit a bunch of threes, fell in love with the three, some would say, and got out to a 31-13 to lead. They gave up a decent amount of that lead by halftime. Uh, and then in the second half, really got blitzed by Nebraska for a, a large portion of it, really had some defensive breakdowns um, and and struggled to get the ball inside to Trace Jackson Davis. Instead, uh, ended far too many possessions settling for three-point shots, but IU did uh, buckle down uh, down the stretch. TJD asserted himself a bit more, uh, scoring six points in a row at one key uh, juncture and making a number of free throws uh, down the stretch and, and scoring uh, I believe uh, all of his uh, 15 points in the second half. So uh, road wins are hard to come by in the Big Ten. So you don't want to uh, you don't want to totally look past it or take it for granted. I guess Trace had 13 of his 15 in the second half. Um, so certainly one you won't take for granted. And to get back to three and three in the league uh, was a was a must at this point in the the most winnable road game you're going to get in this league over the course of the game. But uh, certainly a lot to discuss based on how this game. Uh, played out and how IU you know lost the lead and uh, and struggled uh, for long stretches of the uh, of the second half. But we'll talk about that, about all that here on the show tonight. I'm your host Andy Bottoms, and I'm here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and our special guest Chris Williams, aka IU Artifacts, and we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. There were a couple that I thought of, but a, a pretty big basket from a, uh, a potentially unexpected source. Uh, it was 77-75, I think under two minutes to play. Jerome Hunter takes a, a fallaway jump shot from the baseline, missed the shot short, but followed his own shot, picked it back up, and put it in uh, to uh, to extend IU's lead to 79-75. And it was really a big basket. It was one of the only baskets during that stretch that, that Trace Jackson Davis was not involved in. Uh, Jerome uh, played another solid game uh, for IU and, and continues to to emerge and uh, and, and play well. Uh, they had some some audio of him leading up to the uh, to this game, and he just talked about how he was really starting to feel more healthy and get back to what he wanted to be. So uh, he ended up with nine points and six rebounds. Three of those rebounds on the offensive end, including the one uh, that was the banner moment for a huge putback uh, at that at that uh, juncture of the game. So uh, that will be tonight's banner moment. And our banner moment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, who is now in their fourth season of sponsoring the assembly call. And with winter here and hoodie weather officially arrived, you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone, especially IU fans, and all of their apparel is printed on the softest, warmest, most comfortable, and most washable materials you'll find anywhere. One of a few suggestions, uh, I purchased my first uh, crew neck over the holidays and uh, picked up one of the, the old IU football designs, so I uh, have really enjoyed that, but also picked up some, uh, some basketball shirts from both UC Irvine and Fresno State, uh, as well as a couple of the new IU items that they rolled out uh, around the bowl game. So uh, lots, to, lots to get out there, not just IU gear. Homefield has apparel from more than 90 different colleges and universities, and new ones are being added all the time. The designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you may end up like Coach and I, where you're buying shirts and hoodies for schools you barely heard of just because you like the design. I believe Coach tonight is sporting a, uh, a home field shirt 
uh, as well from, or perhaps not, Mississippi State, I believe. Did I see that correctly? Uh, so we have heard of Mississippi State, so that doesn't quite feed into the uh, schools you haven't heard of. But uh, anyway, just uh, really comfortable stuff. And as always, you can save in your home field order by using the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. It'll give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart, and enter ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get that 20% off. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, Coach, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, it's Tonsoni time. What uh, what uh, what are your what are your main takeaways from the game tonight? Well, I think it's a must. It was a must-win situation, obviously, with the Big Ten being as tough as it is. Nebraska is obviously the worst team in the Big Ten, and after losing a game to, to Northwestern when they were hot and, and won their three games uh, in a row there against good teams, you, you really needed this after and after a tough loss. So, uh, the victory matters. Um, obviously, we'll talk about uh, what went down in in, in the game and, and a lot of that. Uh, is good, and, and there's quite a bit that uh, it was not so good in a, in a close game like this on the road. But Indiana survived uh, a team that got its mojo going in the second half. And a lot of times when we watch our team as fans, it's always what we do well or what we don't do well, and we're playing another team. And sometimes other teams do things well and don't do things well. Uh, and you just got to do things better. Uh, and Indiana was able to survive going down by three in the second half and didn't hang their heads and, and found something to come back and, and, and win the game and put the game away late. Uh, that has been something that has been missing uh, in some of the, the bigger losses. Indiana hasn't played well down the stretch. So, you know, you win in the Big Ten, you get to three and three. You look at every bracketologist has Indiana eight, nine, ten seed somewhere right now, despite the eight and five record or seven, five record going in. Um, you know, there's some things to keep looking forward to you know, and a big game coming up on Thursday. So I thought there were some positives. Guards played well. Uh, I thought Trace Jackson Davis did not, uh, and, and that hurt us. But I think Nebraska did a great job of taking TJD away. So, you know, I'm not sitting here elated. Uh, I'm more relieved than anything uh, because we can talk about a win uh, instead of a loss to Nebraska. Because I think a loss would have been devastating uh, for the team. Uh, and so that's, that's a, an avoidance night tonight more than anything else, and we'll take it. Yeah, I agree. It would have been it would have been truly devastating given just on the heels of playing so well against Wisconsin to turn back around and lose uh, a game like this to, to Nebraska. And so perhaps that's the right frame of mind. There's definitely lots to talk about on both sides. Uh, Chris, what are your uh, opening thoughts on the uh, the IU victory tonight? Well, I mean, kind of piggybacking off what coach said, um, being the team that snaps the 20 game losing streak for Nebraska, we, you know, you think people have been already talking poorly about the team when they don't play well, it would have been just 10 times worse, but they buckled down. They, they persevered. I liked how Rob was very aggressive to start the game. I think when he plays really aggressive, good things happen. He was looking for his shots. He wasn't hesitant to take shots. And obviously it was a tale of two halves with a three point shooting. Um, and, you know, we ended up just shy of 38%, which, you know, it's been around the average we've been all year, but uh, I agree that I, I thought that, Nebraska, you know, we got a little too comfortable with the three-point shot when they kind of continued to collapse on Trace through the most of the game. The ball movement wasn't as crisp in the second half, and I think that cost us a lot of open shots. But again, um, I think we had some situations where we had some people shooting that didn't need to be shooting, uh, especially early in the shot clock. But 
we grinded it out. A win was a win. I think those four straight free throws down the stretch by Trace was big, despite the fact that we only shot 60% from the free throw line for the game, which is not good. Um, we, but a win's a win. And like I said, you got to win a game like that against that team and you got to get ready for Purdue on Thursday. All right. So let's kind of go. Cause I, let's kind of go through, I, I guess, chronologically, because I think perhaps that makes the most sense to, to think about this game. So first half begins, IU gets, uh, gets off to a really hot start led by Rob Finnessy and, uh, and even to a, to a lesser extent, Al Durham, those guys combined for 26 points in the first half, 16 of those for Rob. He had set a new career high, I believe by, uh, by, uh, not too far into the or in about the middle of the second half, it felt like um, you know those guys combined to go five of eight for three as a team. IU was seven of thirteen. Christian Lander came in and, and banked one in. Jerome Hunter hit one as well, and and that was a half that saw Trace Jackson Davis score just two points and Race Thompson score just two points. So you get four points from your starting front court. And IU got off to a really good start. There was a sequence where uh, Rob hit back-to-back threes. One was a really nice uh, relocation that uh, Galloway found him on. The other one, the one after that, was a step back. And I think that the second one of those put IU up thirty-one to thirteen. Things kind of went south from there. But let's talk about the guard play that led up to that point before we uh, before we talk about what went wrong. I, I mean, you know, Coach, did is this just a case of Rob really? stacking positive games on one another and really gaining confidence or are you seeing is it is it that simple or is there more to you know, what he was doing in his aggressiveness uh that you saw in that early run no i think it's that simple i i i think rob's starting to to see that he can do some things and it's things that he's been asked to do for several years now and and when you see the ball go in you know you get that confidence and he was really looking for his shot and and he was more aggressive with the basketball. And in fact, early I thought Al passed up a couple shots that you got to take. You know, when you you got um, a packed in defense, you got to take some threes from the right people. I agree with Chris. We'll talk about that later. Uh, early in the shot clock, I think some of the people taking shots shouldn't be taking shots. But you need Rob. And then there was a, a time when Lander was in and Rob was off the ball, and they were running him off some screens. I would like to see a little bit more of that uh, for Rob. But the guards got to score. And, and I thought offensively. Uh, tonight, the guards did a, a, a nice job. Um, obviously, it was tough guarding uh, off the bounce. I, I tweeted from the assembly call account early that this is going to be a game of you know guard to dribble, guard to dribble. When Indiana was able to guard the dribble, they were able to get some key stops. Uh, when they weren't uh, in that second half, like 15 of 17 possessions, Nebraska was able to score because the guards couldn't. Guards in the perimeters, and sometimes even the big guys got caught in, in dribble action. But it was good to see. Uh, you got to take shots. You can't just force it into TJD when he's got three guys in the lane uh, suffocating him, and he's going to get uh, double teamed. And TJD did a nice job of dribbling out and finding people. You got to be ready. Have shot prep. Get your feet ready and catch. You're, you're most open when you catch the basketball. That's what the guards did tonight. They were ready to shoot, and I, I think that's going to be needed for Indiana to win games the rest of the way. So. That's something, obviously, again, frustrated that we had to sweat one out. But, boy, if we can keep building on that, then people are going to have to start coming out a little bit, which will open up the inside because, you know, of the guard play. So I thought it was really good all the way around uh, throughout the whole game offensively. Yeah, Rob now double figures in three of the last four games uh, after reaching that point in the the first two games and having a, a pretty big lull in the middle there. So uh, definitely positive. Chris, you, you mentioned a little bit about Rob in your your opening thoughts, but um, you know, the thing we didn't mention, Rob went down in the first half and it wasn't 
clear that he was going to be able to come back in. I don't know that he was as assertive in the second half when he was uh, when he was back in, but didn't necessarily seem to be limping or, or anything of that nature, uh, which is a positive sign for a team that's been pretty snake bitten by injuries. It, it feels like, but um, you know, Chris, as you watch these veteran guards now, that's something that people watch for IU that 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 should be a positive for a team given how guard driven college basketball is. Uh, your thoughts on the play of of Allen Rob, uh, particularly early in tonight's game? Well, you know, I, I thought to me one of the best lineups we had on the floor, especially in the first half is when we went Al and Rob and then Leal uh, with Hunter and, and Trace. I thought that really worked well um, to start. And I think, again, when Rob's aggressive, good things happen. Um, and he wasn't, like I said earlier, he wasn't hesitant to shoot the ball. And when it was falling, the, you know, the, the confidence is there. I, I did think that if Rob was going to be out, you know, the rest of that, uh, rest of that game, I don't think we would have won considering how, how poorly we played, especially the transition defense. Um, and the fact that they were just playing that isolation, uh, driving and, and getting, and, and, and I, I do think to some extent that some of those fouls were anticipation calls on, on the part of the refs. But I think, you know, I think Al really played well in terms. He had some really good drives, especially that one when he switched and laid it in with his right hand to, uh, at the end of the game. Uh, uh, but I think, you know, the guards really dictate a lot about the success because you can talk all the time about Trace, but, you know, Coach made a good point. When they're collapsing on Trace every single time, somebody's got to be ready to shoot the ball or somebody's got to be ready to anticipate the pass and find the open man um, if that's going to happen because I think we're going to continue to see – some kind of matchup zone like this in the future. And it, you know, it's our, been our MO the last couple of years where, you know, we've had a really high, highly potent big man and not the most efficient shooters to kick it out to outside. So, uh, you know, I, I would, I was very pleasant surprised to see the shots falling in the first half, but when the shots weren't falling and we kept continuing to de- try to depend on shooting those threes, even from our guards, um, we just kind of got away. We wavered from it, but I think that I'd, I'd like to see more continuation with with Al and Rob driving to the basket and trying to get the fouls and and getting to the foul line more and, and converting. Obviously, we need to convert it, but I think when they're aggressive, it really plays into the rest of what we want to do out there. So then the next stretch of the game, which was a fairly I I say stretch as if it was a short period of time. It was really the the latter part of the first half. IU let. Uh, let Nebraska back in the game, get it back to single digits for a little while, did push it back up to 12. And then for a large chunk of the second half, IU really settled for the three-point shots that that they took in the first half. Uh, as you guys mentioned, some early in the shot clock that I don't that, – that you wouldn't – weren't really what you would want uh, when you're drawing things up offensively, had long stretches where they, they struggled to score. And then you saw what we've seen a number of other times where struggles offensively, both individually and collectively, lead to some – lengthy defensive breakdowns. Uh, IU gave up scores on 13 of 15 possessions to Nebraska at one point in the second half, uh, while all the while not scoring very much on their own. So, so coach, you know, it, it, as, as you mentioned earlier, it was very much a, it, this reminded me a lot of the Penn state game, quite honestly, where they are just trying to find matchups, trying to find somebody to attack off the dribble and potentially kick out for threes. Uh, it wasn't sophisticated offense, uh, that Nebraska was running. I'm not even sure it was good offense in a lot of stretches. 
but but do you just attribute that that kind of defensive breakdown for a team that we've seen play really well defensively in stretches? Is it the we're not shooting the ball well, so the defense struggles? Is it matchup based and saying we just have too many guys who can't keep their own man in front of them? Like, how, what do you what do you when you watch this game? What do you attribute a stretch of play that poor for that long? Uh, what do you attribute that to? Yeah, in this situation, it's just we had guys that were struggle keeping the keeping the ball in front of them and, and guarding the dribble. Um, you know, when, when you have uh, no Armand Franklin as your who is your defensive stopper, and he's not out there to guard the second best bounce. Fantasy's doing a great job, uh, and then then Al Durham is more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy. Trey Galloway, Leo, freshman who are learning the game, and you got an NBA coach on the other side who it's NBA offense is what it is. It's move the ball till you find an isolation where you have an advantage, and then you have permission to drive the ball, and then where help comes, then you find the rotation. You jump up and throw, and you shoot the three, uh, and that's what Hoiberg's going to play at Nebraska. That's what Penn State, that's what teams have to play sometimes that maybe don't have a, a talent like TJD uh, to get the ball to or or some of the teams, uh, Agarza or some of that. You just spread people out and see if you can uh, be quicker and faster than them. And right now, this Indiana team, uh, you play the pack line, but if you play the pack line, you're going to get you're going to give up threes because you're trying to stop the drive. But you must stop the drive. And without Armand out here, it was a tough time to play Nebraska. Uh, not making excuses because you just got to lock down. And I thought for for the most part in the first half, Indiana did a really good job. I think there was one stretch where they they got a little run. Uh, once it was 31-13, and then it got back down to 31-21 or something. There was an 8-0 run there. Um, they were more intense, and, and I thought what happened is they lost their intensity a little bit defensively, um, you know, their closeouts, their ability to beep someone on the first step, and I thought sometimes they over-rotated a little bit. And um, so, you know, it's it's a matchup situation. Sometimes you just run, in, run into teams that are going to be very difficult, and, and when you finally break it down, other than that, that 15 segment, 13 segment, where it went from a 14 or a 15 point lead of 56 41 to us down three, which was very important. I'm not trying to dismiss it. Um, I thought Indiana guarded that style uh, without Armand Franklin rather well. It just caught up to him. Uh, and, and that's why it, it got back. And then there was a timeout, uh, down one timeout, uh, and the defense started playing again. And so sometimes you just got to refocus your guys. And in that last segment, then they, you know, they didn't score, but uh, I think one, two, three, four, five, six possessions. And I counted not even, I mean, less than 50% of their possessions they scored after that timeout. Uh, and that's what allowed Indiana to get back in the game and end up winning, winning stretch. So the defense was there. It just wasn't there for 40 minutes. It's got to be there for 40 minutes, especially against a team like this on their home court that was hungry and had a week off. Um, matchup problems today, but uh, they found a way. Yeah, I, I think the personnel piece is, is one that, that is worth mentioning because Rob got in a little bit of foul trouble in the second half, and Archie had an, at one point that about as veteran a lineup as IU can play at this point with Rob, Al, Jerome at the three, Race, and, and Trace, and it wasn't very long after that that Rob picked up his fourth and had to go out um, for a bit, and, and Anthony Leal came in uh, to spell him. But I, I do think personnel plays a factor uh, in it, I think tired legs are a little bit of a factor, but it's it it's one of those where you're going to find teams that are going to try to pick on those matchups and pick on those those young guys. Uh, so I use going to have to figure out how to how to 
you know, calm some of those runs. Although I do think your point about the timeout was a good one because there were, I think it was a time in the first half as well. They got in a little bit of a run and Archie took a timeout pretty fast and tried to, tried to stop the the momentum a little bit. And down the stretch, like you said, the defense did pick itself back up a little bit. One quick thing too, is the pack line's designed to stop the drive. So if they're driving the pack line, they're going to drive any defense. Okay, so if 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 you were playing denial, heavy denial on the wing and reversal, if you were playing a matchup zone or whatever, it every defense that is out there in college basketball is designed that you have to stop the ball, and, and you have to stop the ball. And if you don't, you got to rotate and have proper rotation on the backside. I mean, that's just how you how you teach defense. But if you there's no you can change defense all you want, they're going to find an isolation and they're they're going to guard you. Um, one of the things I learned a long time ago is sometimes you match up on a zone, a 3-2 zone, just go five out. So every every defender has a man, just toss the ball around, find the weakest defender, and drive them. I mean, that's been out there – that that kind of stuff's been out there forever. So we got to get better at the technique of guarding the bounce in order to stop these spread teams. So, Chris, let's talk a little bit about the offense during that, that stretch. Like I said, it, it – a lot of possessions ended in missed three pointers. Race Thompson made one to to start the second half on IU's first possession. Then IU proceeded to miss nine in a row before Anthony Leal hit one late, and they ended up two of eleven. So they made the first, missed nine, made the last one. But I think the the larger point, if you look at the second half box score, was probably who's taking them more than that they were taken. Uh, Trey Galloway was zero for three. Race Thompson one for two. Took that first one. I think just really shot clock was getting a, a bit late. He was open. Rob took two, uh, you know, so not really an issue there. And then Leal was one of three, although I thought all his were, were wide open. Uh, but Galloway for the game was 0 for 4 shooting threes and was 4 for 4 on twos, which uh, maybe makes it a little bit too easy to make <laughs> make a point about whether he should be shooting threes or not. But uh, I, I thought it was shot selection. Shot selection was not good, and it was compounded by who took the shots uh, during that stretch. And really – while Nebraska was packing it back in and really trying to prevent TJD from getting the ball, I thought IU settled far too often during that stretch. And that, in addition to the poor defense, uh, really let the game get away from him for that stretch in the second half. Yeah, Galloway's shooting was kind of, you know, a question mark for me because every one of his shots were flat. Every one of his shots really did not have a chance to go in. And and I think the problem is, and and we've kind of discussed the transition defense being so poor, when you're settling for those jump shots, <clears throat> you kind of put yourself in a position with Nebraska running a gun in it to where we were getting beat so easily in transition. And I think, honestly, this is the second game in a row where we've seen the transition defense, well, it's been on and off this year. But I think, to me, a lot of it was, it seemed like in the second half, Trace was not trying to establish himself as much, even when you know, he would do a high pick and roll and kind of, you know, cutting to the basket. It just didn't seem like there was any opportunity for him to establish himself or if he was getting the ball, you know, he, you know, in the first half, there was this beautiful moment right about the 730 mark where he got the ball and he had a, a you know, Rob dumped it off to him and he easily found Alpha. I mean, it was a perfect pass. And, and that's one of the things that Trace, I think, a lot of times is not given credit for his passing ability and hit Al for a wide open three. But in the second half, I think we just got in that habit where we just kind of do this weave dribble. And I, I think sometimes I want, I think back to the, you know, the 2004 days with Bracey Wright and Marshall Strickland, it was just back to back to back. And then we'd heave it at the buzzer to see hopefully 
if Bracey would hit 30% of his shots. I think we just settled too much for it. I, I'm not too upset that we kept shooting, but I think we just got out of our comfort zone and that put us into such a bad position defensively um, that, you know, to me, I think one of the things that I it would be curious to see moving forward is, you know, Galloway has the driving ability and I don't think Leal is quite there with that, but I wonder if we may start to see Leal possibly starting in place for Galloway just because of the offensive ability that he brings with, with the more reliable shooting. I don't know because it seems like Trey fits into that mold as that drive and dish guy. And he has that ability, although sometimes we do see him force it, but clearly he's not a guy that you want, you know, with the second most attempts on the team uh, in terms, you know, Rob had six, attempts, but Galloway, Durham, and Leo all had four attempts, and I would rather see the latter two uh, be the ones shooting those. So that, that to me, is a concern if we're getting to a situation where, where you know, Trey's getting too comfortable uh, and feeling like he has to take that shot. All right, so let's let's talk TJD here briefly. I think that's the other big storyline. As I mentioned, he only had two points in the first half. Uh, got 13 in the second half and a lot of those, I think 10 of those over the last, last portion of the game and was a lot more assertive in that scenario. But, uh, you know, I, I think Nebraska deserves some credit. They really packed it in. They really tried to crowd him as he, he rolled off of some of these screens. Although I think to the point Chris made, I think Chronic even had a tweet somewhat to that effect of it was a lot of wasted motion because nobody was really, he wasn't really cutting all that hard and call for the ball. Nobody was really looking to get it to him at times. I thought Leal for a, a, a stretch was the best guy at actually entering the post and getting him the ball. Uh, but, but he was really quiet in the first half and really quiet emotionally. And just as a, from a leadership perspective, did take charge a bit down the stretch, um, had a nice drive where he got the ball out close to the three point line and just finally decided to drive and, and score. And then he hit, uh, two sets of free throws right after that, you know, scored six straight points. That was a, a really big moment for IU. So he came up big in that, in that segment of play and, and finishes the game with 15 points and 11 rebounds, uh, to go with three blocks. But I, I it just didn't feel like that, that energy level that he brought at times in the Wisconsin game that really was nearly the difference in that game was really on display. Just didn't see a lot of emotion from him. And coach, do you, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Is it a guy who's struggling to, to get things going offensively and then kind of that just affects other parts of his game or, or how do you, how do you kind of process the performance from trace tonight overall, given the kind of fluctuation from one half to the next? First of all, it's, it's, it's quite an effort when, uh, I'm going to be disappointed in his play and he got a double, double a 15, 11, and, and he kind of helped close out the game. So I know the young man, me, when I, he has an off, I know when that's he has an off night, it's, 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 it's kind of, but here's the thing. It is, it is really difficult at whatever level you are, um, to, you know, play and be the focus of defense every night and every night and every night. And he's got to mentally be a little tougher to know that, okay, other people are hitting right now to open up other things. And then I'll get my, uh, uh, you know, touches at some point, you got to let the game come to you. I thought today, looking at his body language, he was, he, he let the struggle to get catches early affect his play and there was no emotion. And I thought he, he didn't guard very well in the first half, uh, when he had the opportunity to guard and, 
And, and so I thought it, the lack of offense affected, and that happens in the game of basketball. It's not good. And, and what you got to do is kind of talk to him. And, and he's had stretches where I think that's happened so far this year. But if you're going to be the MVP and if you're going to be the guy who carries Indiana, you've got to be uh, emotionally connected even when things aren't going well. Uh, and so that was disappointing in the first half. And as usual, he finds a way to bounce back and to contribute, which is a positive. And boy, did he ever with some key rebounds and some foul shooting down the stretch. Um, and so, you know, again, 15 points, 11 rebounds is a solid day. Uh, but it wasn't TJD's best effort, uh, I think. And, and he's just got to figure that out and understand that he's a marked man. But it is not fun um, being that marked man at any level and having all the defense set for you. Um, because it's just it's just tedious to try to play through it, but you got to be prepared for it. You've earned it, uh, and it's a sign of respect. And you got to play through it. Chris, anything from your uh, your vantage point on TJD before we take a quick break? Yeah, I just I kind of agree with with Coach. He's got to be more assertive, especially when he has an ability to kind of just seal it toward the basket. Um, and I think that he's doing what he can to call for the ball. But I, you know, I I think that he has to take command sometimes and draw that foul and get the ball toward the basket. And I think sometimes he may be timid with that. And I think we saw it at times today, especially in the first half, but he did come back really strongly in the second half. We just need to see that as much as we can consistently. But I also think that he's just getting gassed out there with the amount of minutes that he has to play because of our, our deficiency with size. So that plays a role too. All right, well, after that marathon first segment, we'll uh, continue our breakdown of IU's 84-76 victory at Nebraska. Uh, We'll come back and point out the meaningful moments you might have missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. We'll listen to the assembly call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right, welcome back to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts, and we were breaking down IU's 84-76 victory over Nebraska. Had to break out the uh, Gene Steratore after the officiating from the Wisconsin game since I wasn't able to be on that show, so figured it was uh, as appropriate a time as as ever to uh, throw that one in there. So now it's time for uh, the meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, I had a few few things written down. Uh, there was a play early in the game where where Race Thompson, you know, there was a, a loose ball. Everybody kind of ran after. It. He dove on the floor. 
uh, got the ball, kicked it to Trey Galloway uh, for a layup early on. I think that was within one of the first uh, the one, first few possessions gave IU, I think, a 4-2 lead uh, at the time. And the race came back, and, and the play after that made a nice post move inside. And and I thought overall was a a solid game for race that we've you know come to expect. He ended up with 11 points, five rebounds, a couple assists, and a, and a steal. But I thought that play just good hustle to set the tone. All, and, and I think that was somewhat emblematic of how IU started the game. Uh, they weren't really able to maintain that for, I guess, as long as, as we might have liked, but, uh, Chris thoughts on, on races play. I think the first basket he made, he turned over his, his left shoulder. And I thought there were opportunities for him to do that late in the Wisconsin game where he would get the ball in the post and he made a quick move that direction, uh, early in this one, which was a good thing, but, uh, thoughts on races performance today. Yeah, I kept wondering how often we were going to see Nebraska double down on race, especially when he and Trace were in the game today. And I, I saw there was a couple opportunities where race had that one-on-one, and he does have such a good touch around the basket when he is aggressive towards it. But I, I did I did see him play. I thought he did really well overall. I think I didn't like the, the, the matchup that they had on him defensively against – I can't think of the guy's name. The guy was five to six from the three-point line they kept switching on that and he ended up guarding that. I didn't like his defensive play the, uh, during that stretch, but I thought offensively, you know, he has that ability to step out and hit the three. He was, he is solid from the foul line. I think, you know, when he hit that three early on in the second half, I think that's one of those where, you know, I would hope Archie would hope would want him to be shooting that shot. But I think to, to me, he has to be someone that has that interior ability, especially when Trace is not in there. I, I I just would would like to see him continue to be aggressive. I think um, that to me, you know, I think what he ended up with 11 points, he, he was really good from the field. Um, like I said, he had those, those two free throws. I would like to see him get six or eight attempts from the foul line each game. Um, I don't know if, if it's one of those things where he's just not obviously going to be the interior scorer when it's him and Trace in the game, but all in all, I thought it was a solid effort. Um, I think, um, you know, there's so much riding on him, especially with our, we keep talking about our, our lack of interior defense with, with Joey out, but I thought he's been really, really solid all the way around and, and, uh, continue to this game. Coach, one of the other plays that I, I had, had flagged, IU is down 69, 66, uh, Anthony Leal after IU had missed, uh, as I mentioned earlier, nine straight three pointers rises up and drilled one to tie the game at 69, uh, Leal, was that was his only make of the game, but again, he got uh 21 minutes and grabbed four rebounds, uh, just continuing to to grow into his role on this team. Uh, I know uh, we talked earlier about you know, is he a guy that potentially works his way into the starting lineup, perhaps in place of of Trey Galloway? But but Leo, I, I comparative to to some of the other three point shots that were taken, I didn't feel like he took a bad one. Um, as he was there, and I think that's what he's on the floor to do. Um, took open shots, just just missed a few of them, but that was a really big shot uh, at a critical moment. As IU had, you know, given up that three point, you know, was down by three at the time, and, and hit a big shot to do it. So, what did you uh, what did you see from Leal uh, today, and and kind of how his progression has continued uh, during this uh, this recent run of games? 
Obviously, that three was just huge, and I agree with you that, that that's a play, a moment that we, we need to talk about. And it's the guts to take it, too. Your team's down three on the road in Nebraska. Everyone knows you're supposed to win that game, and you were up 15, and now you're down three. And to be able to rise up. Um, but it's one of those actions that they run where they ball screen away from Leal. And then what happens is when you have a roll, that Leal's man is likely the tag responsibility. So good teams, Cassius Winston did this at Michigan State. When you run high pick and roll, you throw it all the way back uh, you know, with the diagonal skip. And Indiana's been doing that, and they've been doing that to Leal uh, the last couple of games. I really like that action. And so him being in the game gives them another threat and another way to run some offense that they didn't have. You're not going to run that play for Galloway. Uh, and so, you know, that was nice to see. But here's the thing about Leal that I like. Two things. One, I love his post feeds. I, I think – you know, I and there were times when I thought it was going to go in and he didn't because I, I trust him in making the right decision in feeding the post. Now he threw one that was a good decision about a quarter second too late, and there's a is a turnover which might end up being a key turnover, but that was aggressive to me, and it was a kind of a high low diagonal pass. So he had a turnover being aggressive there post feed, but I really trust him in trying to make the right decision. And you see both Galloway and Leo in positions to feed the ball to Trace Jackson Davis coming out of timeouts, first plays of halves. Um, they run a little that little down screen for the wing. He catches it, and then that screener goes and cross screens for TJD. But the post-feeding of Anthony Leal is tremendous. And here's the other thing. The only deficiency that I see in Leal right now is just his foot speed defensively. Uh, and, and he'll get in a jump rope, and he'll get in that weight room, and that'll get better and better and better um, as he matures athletically at the college level. But he's always, I think, in the right position most of the time. Not No one's perfect. But I see a guy who knows what's going on, He's telling other people where to go. He's running offense the correct way. He's a student of the game. There's a reason he is Indiana Mr. Basketball, and, and, and you're seeing it out there right now. And it's just athleticism that'll stop him from driving or, or he'll have difficulty like tonight. They were picking on him. They were picking on Galloway. They were picking on him. They were trying to pick on Hunter, and that's what uh, the defense does. But, man, I enjoy watching that young man play. Uh, and, and I know we're eight and five, and it was a, a it was a you know kind of a sloppy win today. But you know I enjoy watching uh, those two freshmen out there playing, and, and you know Leo is just fun, and, and I think you'll see more minutes out of him whether he starts or not. Um, you know we'll see. Yeah, I mean he was the guy when, uh, like I said, they had that that veteran lineup in when Finnessy picked up the foul, they went to Leal instead of Galloway, and I think that made all the sense in the world. To to your point, coach, I think he's as good as anybody at feeding the ball into the post, and he's a guy who can do that, then relocate and get himself open for a jump shot uh, with the way that that Trace has been has been passing. So I think that's a, a you know positive development on a team that depth is at a premium uh, at this point, but being able to have him do that and. And if you look at Nebraska's roster, I mean, it's full of transfers, and that's what Hoiberg has, has really done. So the, the guys really trying to take it at Leal in large part are three, four years older than he is, quite honestly, as you, as you, as you look at some of that. And uh, there are limitations that what he'll be able to do there, but I think he'll be able to get a lot better as he, he goes through the program. But I think just understanding of where they need to be in positioning and, and scheme and those kinds of things, he, he seems to have that down uh, really well for a, a guy halfway through his freshman season. Uh, Chris, any, any thoughts on Leal? I saw you kind of nodding along as we were we were talking through him. So uh, I, I'm sure as a guy living in Bloomington and a local kid, I, I'm sure you've got some thoughts. 
he just has a really big IQ, basketball IQ. He just looks poised out there. I think that's the biggest thing is that he looks – he doesn't look like – He's not where he's supposed to be. He was directing people on the floor when he was at the top of the key with the ball at, at some times. And again, you know, he had two turnovers and one of those, like coach said, was just a little bit forced late pass, but he does have that ability that, that over the top pass for trace. And you can see that, you know, there, I think there was two different times tonight where that happened. And, and, and one of them was, you know, drew a foul and trace went to the foul line. But I think, you know, Leal's got the size six, five, you know, he's going to need to be out there a lot because him and Galloway have that large guard size that we need. And you can kind of see in some of those games where for the most part, Leo's really dropping into the paint area and he's not right out on his guy for the most part. And he's, you know, someone who has to be able to kind of collapse into the paint to play that de- play defense. If there's like a drive or anything like that, but I think his shooting ability is going to get him a lot more minutes. And I think that Archie trusts him. I, I mean, I wrote down that he came in, he was in right after just under, under the six, you know, the 16 under 16 minute timeout, he came right in. So I I think that the trust that Archie has in him is growing tremendously, especially when we saw how much he played against Wisconsin. But I think like, like coach said, his, you know, he plays good defense, but he kind of gets out of position, especially on drives, but that'll, that'll change and that'll improve, but he he's competent out there. He's smart out there, and I think that's going to earn him a lot of playing time moving forward because we're going to need somebody like that, especially with our upcoming schedule. Is yeah, so two other two other quick plays, just kind of ways that IU, I don't want to say stole four points because uh, I think both these were were good plays, but they both were reviewed, um, but ended up being four points. Galloway gets a tip dunk right before the half. I thought it was a really good. Talked about basketball IQ with Leo. I thought. You watch the replay of it. You see Galloway as soon as he drives, start sprinting toward the rim from along the baseline, just understanding, hey, I, you know, I'm, I don't have to get back on defense. I don't have to worry about any of that. You know, came back and, and got a big bucket there that they reviewed forever, uh, and eventually ruled as good, which I thought was correct. And then the other one was on a, a baseline inbounds play that lobbed it to TJD. The shot clock kind of went went blank and as opposed to going off and IU ends up getting uh, that basket counted there, but just a couple like situational buckets that, that ended up being big in the, you know, an eight point game, you get four points off of plays like that. Uh, I thought was, uh, was, was key in totality. Uh, not, not the subsequent replay reviews that, that we were all subjected to, but the actual four points that were scored on those plays was good. Uh, coach, any other, other plays or stretches of play stand out to you or ones that you uh, took notes about? No, one of those that goes, you got to win the game uh, from the sideline out of bounds and the baseline out of bounds too. And it's just a wonder to me how they did not think with one second with TJD, we have that play. Uh, they should have scouted that. And then you could just got to arm bar, arm bar or put two guys on TJD and say, just don't let him get to the middle. We'll take a shot at the three point line. That And I know it's quick because, you know, it, it happens. Uh, somewhat quick. I want to go back to the banner moment that that rebound by Hunter, and then I need some help. I think there was a play again where Hunter also got an offensive rebound, uh, and maybe it wasn't Hunter. Um, I, I went possession by possession here, and I don't want to take all the time to to go back and try to find it. But I I'm thought pretty, I'm pretty sure he had another putback at, at some point. I'm trying yeah, to. Didn't I'm he? trying he to find it. It was yeah. It was really toward the good. end. Of, it was toward the end of the first half. It was near the end of the first half. He got it. It was the third to last possession on what I what I tracked that he had a yep, putback. Yep, game. you're right. I got him on a rebound. Um, 
just great offensive rebound at the end of that first half, and then again at that time when he had a baseline. That was a will play. And, and again, I, I know a lot of people want to see us win by 20, and I get that, and you're entitled to that. But when I see Hunter starting to play with confidence, when I see Hunter trying to get down in a stance and guard people, when I see Hunter trying to go to the offensive boards and be physical and score – um, he had one at Maryland against Maryland too, where he went through people. Um, that is really, really good for Indiana because his improved play, Leal's improved play. We get Armand Franklin back, and, and again, all it takes is a couple, you know, two, three wins in a row, and you're back in a in a position where, you know, uh, you're, you're you're feeling better about the season, and and that's why you play the games. You know, we don't want to sit here and judge the games the rest of the way. We play the games to find out who wins and loses. Indiana can win every game, and they can lose every game. But, boy, that play that you mentioned for Banner Moment, I, I thought was spot on uh, the reasons why Indiana won the game. And and, and Hunter is just, um, again, I enjoy watching him play now. I'm not so worried about him. Uh, but that, th- that play was huge, those two rebounds. Yeah, I really thought, listening to some of his comments, before the game, I think that was yesterday is when the availability was. Maybe it was Friday. Um, what was kind of telling where he's at from a mental standpoint that he's past some of those hurdles and not worrying about that anymore. And even talked about what, what you said, you know, the, the area that he brought up that he feels like he's dropped off the most is on the defensive end and, and talked about how he felt like he was a, a much better defensive player in the past and working toward doing that again. I think, I think that's a positive development for IU. And again, the front court is super thin. Uh, Geronimo, really struggled again when he was in the game today. They're going to have to get minutes out of Jerome Hunter, and particularly those kinds of rebounding numbers uh, will become really important for him because somebody's got to help shoulder the load. And so you look between uh, between him and uh, TJD and Race, they ended up with 22 rebounds across the, the three of them, 11 of those from Trace, six from Hunter, and uh, and five from Race. So uh, I thought a really good performance from him as well. Well, let's go inside the numbers now, and and like I said, a little bit of this was a, a tale of two halves. If you look at the IU shooting numbers, first half they shot fifty two point nine percent from the field, fifty three point eight percent from uh, three, and somehow forty two point nine percent from the uh, from the free throw line. And then in the second half, they picked it up from the free throw line, and everything else uh, went to hell. They were twelve of eighteen on free throws in the second half. Uh, including 7 to 10 from TJD, which was absolutely huge. But 12 of 31 from the floor for 38.7% and 2 of 11 for 3 that, that we talked about before. So I guess that's as good a place to start as any from a statistical perspective. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the, the quality of the shots, but uh, I, I, as I told you guys before the game, um, my fourth graders lost the game today where we, we lost by 1 and were 2 of 10 from the free throw line. So I am not able to speak on free throws right now uh but (laughs) but i mean it was i I thought i really felt like it was an area that IU had gotten better in but really struggled in the first half picked it up in the second half but uh any thoughts from a shooting percentages perspective chris I'll, i'll throw it to you first you know talking about the free throws we you know we missed four in a row um in the first half with rob and trace but i think you know down the stretch you know, Trace hit those four in a row with under four minutes to go to kind of seal it when we needed to. And, you know, he has such a good stroke at the foul line. And then just sometimes it's just, it's, you know, it's maddening the way we can, like you said, shoot so well from outside, but shoot so poorly from the foul line. I think, you know, again, we kind of talked about this with the three point shooting. It really comes down to who's taking those shots. Because if you think about Galloway's four attempts that really not one of them had a chance to go in, 
Um, and I'm not, I'm not here to critique his his shot or anything like that. I have no business doing that, but it, it just comes down to who's the person that you want to have, especially early, early in the shot clock, taking those kinds of shots. It's not Trey. Um, I think I saw a stat, somebody posted that he was four of 21 for the season from three point line. And, and that's just not ideal. But I think that, you know, we got in such a role shooting outside that we kind of just settled for it when we got a little stagnant and we weren't moving so well in the second half. But I think that we need to continue to, you know, we need to continue to shoot the ball. We, we, we know that Leal can shoot it. We know that Hunter is coming into his own. If Rob's comfortable, you know, I will take 50% from him from behind the arc any game. But I think to me, we can't settle for it. And I think we have to continue to feed down low, let Trace get, you know, 14 attempts from the foul line is great, but, you know, get guys ready to get the ball and, and, you know, hopefully have a wide open shot, but it just comes down to making sure that it's a smart shot when, you know, when, when the shot clocks, uh, more when it's more appropriate in the shot clock, but I, I'm not too terribly disappointed because I, I like the way we were shooting so well in the first half, but clearly, you know, we have not figured out a way to get out of these offensive funks where we just can't get out of our own way. And that's, that's still a concern as we, as the, uh, you know, strenuous leg of the uh, schedule is going to start building up. Yeah. So as we look at positive numbers, coach, uh, a few jump out to me, eight turnovers for the game, including just two in the second half. Two of those uh, eight turnovers were shot clock violations in the first half. Uh, you only, you know, points off turnovers are pretty much even for both teams. IU out-rebounded uh, Nebraska by 11, 41 to 30. But most importantly, 12 offensive rebounds led to 16 second chance points, second chance points, 16 to three in IU's favor. Uh, you know, I think, I think both of those numbers were a huge factor in the game. Archie's harped on turnovers over the course of the season, but we can also look back at a few of these recent games and uh, offensive rebounding. I think it was the Maryland game was, was a big factor in that one as well. Um, so maybe it's matchup dependent. Who knows what it is, but they really uh, were able to to get some distance between themselves and, and Nebraska in a couple different areas of the stat sheet. Second chance points was a big one. What's nice about that is last year's lineup, you had two bigs and you had a, your small forward was really a power forward who who had a nose for the ball rebounding. You know, we, we don't talk about him very favorably, uh, the young man who's at Arkansas, but he did re- have a, a knack for rebounding. So you had three people to really go, and that was part of the, the storyline last year was shoot it up and go get it. Um, and so to see the offensive rebounding coming down when we have, you know, um, a lesser size is, is – is offensive rebounding is will, you know, you track the shot, go get it, fight for it. Uh, and that's why I was so impressed with uh, Hunter's uh, two and, and TJD had a nice tip in late. And, and those are things that in a game where it got tight and, and we don't like it being tight, um, you know, uh, I think that's just good. Uh, it's good extra points. You, you win that rebounding battle again, win the out of bounds battle, win the rebounding battle. Don't turn the ball over for a lot of free home runs. Uh, and and then, then let's see where everything else uh, plays out. Nebraska got really hot, probably because we weren't guarding as well, and we got real cold and gave up a 21-point you know, a swing a, a little bit at one point. Um, so, But the stats speak well overall. It's when you go on the road and win by eight. Uh, some of those things are, are why. You know, good, 
good shooting early, uh, taking care of the basketball, and, and rebounding the basketball are keys to winning, and that's, again, going to prevail over 40 minutes. Yeah, if you look up and down individually, uh, you had IU played nine guys. Geronimo only played three minutes, but the other, you know, the other eight guys outside of him all scored at least three points. You had six guys with at least eight. Uh, everybody that played grabbed a re- grabbed at least one rebound, and six of the nine guys that played had had at least one assist. So I think you did start to see a bit of balance, and you had a you got were able to get uh, a number of guys involved. Seven of the guys played the bulk of the minutes, but. Um, you know, you saw contributions across uh, across the team in a in a number of areas. So I think that was uh, a positive from that standpoint. And we talked a little bit about uh, about IU's defense. You know, coach, you mentioned a, a timeout IU took, and they really ratcheted things up defensively. Nebraska missed their last five field goals and finished one of their last ten. Um, which, when you look at their overall shooting numbers in the second half, that means at one point they were thirteen out of seventeen. So they ended up fourteen to twenty-seven for the half. So, um, you know, some some good and some bad to be mixed in. But uh, any other numbers uh, stand out to you guys as you look across the stat sheet? I, I'm going to throw out there just this idea of scoring runs. You know, we, I don't have them all here, but in in a game of basketball, you're going to have runs. What what you want to do is have your runs be bigger than the other team's runs. That didn't happen tonight. That is disappointing. When you were up 15, 56, 41, and you end up down three, that is disappointing uh, a stat of runs. But that happens in the college game. Indiana ends up going plus 11 over the last four or five minutes after they were down three to, to win by eight. So ultimately, you want the, the cumulative number of your runs to be better than the other team's runs. And, and even a team like Nebraska – who is the, the 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 14th best team in the Big 10 has some you know division 1 talent that has transferred in and boy they got going and and they got going more because they felt good about their game and Indiana was starting to feel a little bit bad about their game it's more of an intensity mental thing than it is anything about strategy or players that that are out there and Indiana's got to fix that uh, a, a little bit in order to prevent those bigger runs um and but the game is going to go that way. You're going to play hot for a while, and then the other team's going to make an adjustment or get hot for a while. That that is always going to happen. You would love to have a ten point run followed by the other team's four point run, then another ten point run, and stretch it out. Um, and I think the key thing from my coaching uh, background is this: there were some key possessions, both offensively and defensively, where Indiana didn't step up and take the right shots or guard the right way that could have stopped those runs. And that's the teaching point in the film room from here on out, fellas. We can't do this. Uh, you know, here's here's where this game would have shut down Nebraska's role if we wanted to, if we would have done these two things right offensively, these two things defensively, they would have had a seven, eight, eight point run and get them stopped. But that that's where you got to go with this program is is teams are going to get on a run what do you do to limit it all right well coming up here on the assembly call we'll hand out our game balls and hit any other lingering storylines and we'll look ahead to iu's next opponent and then we'll uh, finish things up with last call that's all next here on the assembly call stick with us Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. 
Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have already subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. Again, that's IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bonham's here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts, and we are breaking down Indiana's 84-76 road win at Nebraska. Uh, I will say that I we have offered opinions on shot selection during the show, and I picked the Devontae Green drop uh, prior to uh, the game and seeing how it would play out. So we still have opinions on shot selection despite what that said and who was taking the three-pointers. But uh, but what, do we, what can you do there? Uh, all right, so now it's time for Game Balls. Uh, this season, Trace is the, uh, leader with six so far. Armand has two race one, Al one and Rob one. Uh, so coach, I'll throw it to you first. Who gets your game ball from uh, tonight's game? I'm going to go with Rob Finnessy, uh, because I thought his aggressiveness early and his three point shooting, uh, someone said on a show and I haven't confirmed he had a career high with, you know, still four minutes to go or, or at some point or second in the first half. And then also to to have an injury and an ankle injury and to gut it out, you know, he has had injuries before and people have speculated whether, you know, he took too much time back or whether he came back and was passive afterwards. At a time where we needed him to guard, to run the offense, uh, he fought through whatever that uh, landing on that ankle or twisting the ankle and played okay in the second half. And so overall – you know, he got five rebounds, uh, his scoring, 18 points. I thought this was one of Rob Finnessy's better games, and I thought without him, uh, we don't win the game. Chris, what about you? I want to go with Jerome. Um, I, I saw something on Twitter talking about how big that baseline rebound and putback was, as Archie called it, the nail in the coffin for the their victory. I think that you know, when his confidence is is really high, I think he plays at the level that he's capable of, and we know that he's still trying to get back to that. But 21 minutes tonight, um, no turnovers. He had six rebounds. Um, and I just think that defensively he's starting to come into his own. We need him in his size. Um, and I think that as his confidence continues to grow, his, his on-game, you know, on-the-floor performance is going to be a lot better. Uh, the one thing I thought that was surprising, he had no fouls. And we know that he was so out of position in that Wisconsin game um, in terms of his defense. But to come in with zero fouls tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, and I just think that's tremendous. And so um, I would gladly give it to him. 
All right. Well, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll break the tie here and I'm going to go with Rob. Uh, I think I'm going to probably have Jerome for the, uh, for the next award. I, I do think what Rob did set the tone. And if you look across the stat sheet, coach Menthon mentioned the five rebounds also led the team with four assists, did have a couple turnovers, but I thought overall, uh, as you said, coach was one of his better games and, and excited to see him play with confidence and was, uh, relieved to say the least to see him back out on the court after halftime. So I'll go with Rob, a great, a great first half performance that got IU off to a good start. And, uh, then TJD took it home from there, but, uh, we'll go with, go with Rob for the game ball tonight, which takes us to the Mike Roberts, real hustle award. That's actually what I was going to give to Jerome Hunter. Uh, I think because of those putback baskets and those kinds of things that, that we talked about. So he ends up with nine and six, as I think we mentioned before, also picked up a steal in 20 minutes. And, uh, I thought just continues to, you're seeing multiple guys at least build on positive games and follow those up with other with another positive game. And for a team that has struggled a lot with consistency, uh, and and collectively they struggle with consistency even within this game. Uh, it's nice to see Jerome starting to, to starting to play with more confidence. So, coach, as the uh, as a creator of of said Mike Roberts Award, who do you uh, who do you give yours to tonight? Just hearing Mike Roberts makes me happy. <laughs> you know, I long to go down in the gym and see him again. Um, but now I just watch him on TV and pause it. Uh, no, Jer- Jerome Hunter gets the, the award. I, I agree. You know, Chris nominated him for game ball, but I, and, and I could see that as well. I, I just thought Jerome Hunter's play today was aggressive. Uh, I thought he guarded better. Um, still probably could find some problems on the defensive side with him, but his, those two offensive rebounds, just re- putbacks really stand out for me. And the one was at 77, 75, or as a two point Indiana lead and stretched it out to four and kind of was the start of the dagger to put that game away. We had to hit some free throws afterwards and guard afterwards, but uh, that was such a key uh, to not have to go down and guard knowing that any shot could tie it up or, or, or lose lose the lead so um yeah for for reasons chris mentioned for game ball i think uh, jerome needs to have the the hustle award chris what's your who's your pick for that well you know coach i want to i could hear coach roberts yell ball pressure ball pressure all day you know yeah um, haven't heard as much on, i would on guard TV, kinda, yes <laughs> Uh, I haven't heard as much nearly surprising with, with the lack of fans, but I'm actually going to go with race. And I, it's just for that singular play where he dove the ball, flipped it to trace and then trace found Trey Galloway for that bucket. I I think those are the kinds of plays that, um, you know, are the difference in this ball game in some ways, because you want, you know, you want your guys to be diving on the floor all the time. You want your guys to be doing that. But I think that just, that transition was just amazing. And I think that set the tone early in the first half. you know, and the only reason I, I'm not going with Jerome is because I, you know, I don't want to be greedy and give it to both of them. But, you know, I, I just to piggyback on what you're saying about Jerome, when his his confidence, he just has this uh, this aura about him. I don't know if that's the, the best way to describe it, but he just looks so much more comfortable out there. He doesn't look out of place. He looks natural with the ball and he he knows where he's supposed to be. And I think that, you know, if his confidence continues to rise, we, you know, it gives us better chances, especially with this tough stretch going ahead. But, um, yeah, I think both of them played well tonight. So he's playing, playing with some swagger. Yes, that's indeed. And that's good to see. So before we talk about Purdue, uh, coming up on Thursday, I, coach, I'm going to throw this question to you. I think one of the themes that we've seen from this team is I'm not going to call it killer instinct, but the, the struggles to really put somebody away, um, 
you know, you saw him jump out to an 18 point lead tonight almost immediately, just let him right back in the game. I'm not saying you're going to be up by 30 at halftime and do those kinds of things, but if you carry a close to 20 point lead and into the into the locker room, this game isn't as as close as it ends up. You saw that in Wisconsin, tougher place to play. You're on the road, but you're up six late. How do you finish that game? Couldn't put Penn State away. Had to win that game in overtime. From from a coaching perspective, what does that suggest to you, if anything? I know it's difficult because it's not your team that you're you're coaching, so I might be putting you in a in a tough spot. But but any thoughts on on what that suggests? Because I think if there's one thing that as you look, we're about halfway through the season right now. We're 13 games in, 14 conference games to play. That that is one of the more concerning things about this team is is that the struggles in that area. So what does that suggest to you? Yeah, I think this team uh, under Archie Miller, surprisingly under Archie Miller, has lacked some toughness. You know, one of the things I was excited about Archie Miller coming in here was that he had the, that that reputation of having tough-minded teams. They'd get out and guard you. They'd get out and run. They'd jam it down your throat. And I think uh, whatever the reason that he's had a hard time with the guys that he's recruited or the guys that he was left, getting them to play like Archie Miller played or Archie Miller would like them to play. Uh, everyone can point their fingers to who's responsible for that, but this team does not reflect the Archie Miller that played at, at North Carolina State and does not reflect the toughness uh, I think that he wants them to play with for 40 minutes. I think this year is better. Um, you know, and, and knock on wood, we haven't seen some of the, you know, at Michigan or at Rutgers uh, type of stuff yet where you had your runs and you got beat by 19. You know, now you've had given up some time and hang your head for not scoring and not have been tough at times. And then Archie's gone in at halftime and, and, you know, ripped them or did whatever. And they've come back and they responded uh, by winning home games or at least playing late. Uh, but I do think that when offense goes away, they have a tendency to let down and feel sorry for themselves. Uh, I think sometimes they, they don't have that when they are going uh, well. They're up 15. There's a little bit of relaxation. And what any team, especially in this Big Ten this year, needs is 40 minutes of absolute bulldog all the time. And and, and that I'm not trying to absolve the coaching staff or anything because you see Archie at timeouts, at halftimes, you see him trying to get the ball to go in uh, up the court. Um, so it's hard. It's a hard thing as a coach sometimes, depending on the players you have in the program, to get them to have that instinct to play 40 minutes all the time and as an educator it's getting harder and harder to find that kind of activity in the classroom in the society on the basketball floor uh the longer i'm in this thing um you know it, it's it's a it's a lot of fun playing basketball but it's a lot of work and that that toughness that work part of it sometimes um is the hardest and the last part to get a collective group to do some coaches are really good at doing it and get it done early um this this program has lacked that i thought but i think it's improving so i'm not in panic mode uh, i see it a lot less bursts like tonight where you give up that lead a lot less and even tonight it was we still executed offensively and missed shots we were still there defensively just got beat by a step i mean it wasn't a it wasn't like a total oh my gosh what's happening this is total awful play it was just oh my gosh they hit another shot and so yeah, I agree. I don't think they have that toughest mentality that they need to really compete at the level. They're going to have to find it real quick uh, for 40 minutes, in my opinion. All right, so up next on Thursday is Purdue. Uh, I believe it is a looks like a 7 o'clock tip here. 
So Purdue got a, a big road win with a late Travion Williams bucket against Michigan State on Friday. They will not play again until they play IU on Thursday. Uh, Purdue clearly upset someone in the Big Ten scheduling office, or maybe the, I don't think they've had games rearranged due to COVID, but this is their fifth road game in, in their last six Big Ten games, it looks like, if I'm looking at this correctly. They got they had to travel to Rutgers, to Illinois, to Michigan State, and now to IU. Uh, so they have an identical record uh, as the Hoosiers at this point, eight and five and three and three in the in the league. And and this is, uh, I think Jared wrote in the in the thing, is this a must win for Archie Miller? I think I, again, probably probably too early to say that, but I got to tell you, I mean, this is again, this this feels like you can't drop any more home games, at least not. Not one to to somebody outside the clear upper echelon of the of the Big Ten. So, coach, as, as somebody who's in Purdue's backyard uh, up there, you, you might actually be better uh, than I than I would to kind of give a, a quick thoughts on on Purdue and kind of what they look like this year compared to what they look like in uh, in the last few years. And and certainly, feel free to uh, to throw in your thoughts on whether this is a how how much of a must win this is for Archie. Yeah, hey, join, follow my Twitter feed. I'm going to join a, a Northern Indiana podcast to discuss IU Purdue with the Purdue fan uh, Wednesday night. We're going to go a little toe to toe, and I'm going to have some fun. So follow me for. I don't want to put the plug out on the podcast, but uh, I'll put it in my Twitter feed. You know, here, here's the idea. I don't like Purdue. I I, I want to beat them by 20. I don't. I don't like. I like living up here because I like my house, and I and I got IU artifacts stuff hanging all over the basement. If it wasn't for that, I, I I don't like being here. I can't wait to move to Bloomington. I got to retire first and move to Bloomington. I don't like Purdue. I respect him. I, I think Painter does a good job. I think they good, run good motion, and when they guard, they're really, really tough. The thing that I think they struggle with when they lose is that they don't guard uh, this year as well as they did. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think the inside presence, you know, what's the the seven five monster dude Edie going to do? Uh, uh, you know, I think we should put him in a lot of ball screens, and it'll it'll be a first test for some of their young guys who are either redshirt freshmen or new freshmen who are counted on to come in. And even though um, it, it's not full assembly hall, still going to be a place that hopefully will will cause them some problems. But yeah, this is it's not a must win. You know, uh, I I don't buy that. That that's for fans wanting to you know, predict what's going to happen down the road. And I think it's a nice win. It puts a little separation. I think Indiana's tied now with Purdue in the big 10 for fifth or sixth. Uh, so that puts you ahead of the 500, four and three. And again, any win in the big 10 is necessary. So um, I'm going to be excited to watch it. And I'm going to be even more excited in the post game show after we win. Uh, I believe, I believe we're going to win. I believe we're due for more 40 minute, better performance collective performances than what we've had and and that's just maybe hopeful wishful thinking but I think this team has the capability of putting it together and getting a four or five game winning streak um, going even in a tough Big Ten and and I hope that I'm right. So Chris is the uh, as the man on the scene in, in Bloomington in, in the case of the three of us what I, I do think this does become an important game for Archie I think the narrative of him you know needing to beat Purdue is one thing. I also think where this game falls in IU schedule makes it that much more important to win because you've already dropped the home game to to Northwestern and the Big Ten schedule set up for IU 
a bit more favorable, well, a lot more favorably than than it did for Purdue to kind of get out to a good start. So, how do you assess uh, maybe how you feel about how important it is to Archie, uh, and maybe just as much how other people around Bloomington uh, view it? Well, it, you know, we haven't beaten we've we've lost ten of the last eleven to Purdue, which is something that you know I, I don't like Purdue at all. I'm equally with, with coach on that, but it, it, that one stings even more. The fact that this team, you know, we've had some winnable games. We've had some games where we didn't show up like last year when coach Knight was there, but um, I'm not going to call the must win, but I would say it's going to be, you know, for a, a, a program standpoint and a season standpoint, especially like you said, with what's coming up on the schedule, this daunting, you know, schedule coming up in the next few weeks, I, I think if, you know, if we can get Travion Williams in foul trouble and obviously keep Trace out of foul trouble guarding Travion Williams, I think that's the key to the game. But I, I think from a, from a momentum standpoint, given the fact that, you know, what we have coming up where, you know, we have two straight road games against, you know, two teams that I think that can give us a lot of difficulty in matching up wise, I, I think that, Again, like, like Coach said, we need everybody to show up, and it needs to be a forty-minute effort. If we have a lapse of of eight minutes where our offense goes down the tube, we're done, and we're, and we don't have the shooting ability consistently to to come back from that deficit. But if we come out and we're playing against our arch nemesis with intensity, then I think we can win the game. Um, and like Coach said, it's not a full assembly hall. Although, man, I wish I was there, but. It's, it's still an intimidating place to play regardless of if fans are going to be there or not. So I, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. I hope we win. Um, I think it would be a good, it would be a good victory and, and people could get the, uh, well, Archie hasn't beaten Purdue, uh, put that narrative to rest. All right. Well, you're listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. And remember to check out our friends at home field apparel to get the perfect gift for the college sports fan in your life or yourself. Use the promo code assembly 20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. And guys, it's time for last call. I know this is probably a, this felt like maybe a game that I, you could win handily. We could get uh, in and out with the postgame show and here we are uh, over an hour. So uh, Chris, I'll, I'll throw this to you first for final thoughts on IU's 84 76 win over Nebraska tonight. I mean, again, it's it was Nebraska. You could see the the talent deficiencies that they have, but they also came in, especially in that second half, and that team was fired up. And we got to be able to respond better when our defense is not working, our transition defense is not working, because if we're going to struggle against a team like that, and and then it's going to be a really really difficult next couple of games. So I'm hoping that. We, we come out with the fire like we did against Wisconsin. Uh, and from this point forward, I, I think we can do it. Uh, but we got to be able to continue to feed Trace, and we can't be settling for jump shots, and we need Trace to play with the fire and tenacity that we know he's capable of. And uh, and that will really dictate how things are going to go. But I, I, I'd like to be optimistic that we're going to turn a corner. Coach, final thoughts on this one from you? Yeah, you know, for, for a long period of time, it looked like it was going to be a 15, 20-point lead, and then things kind of fell apart, and everyone got worried. Uh, and then Indiana went on 11-0 run at the end. So, you know, an eight-point win, Indiana's 14, 15 points better than uh, them on the road. It just turned out to be uh, a little less than that. Um, I think the, 
the line was six and a half. So the people who who, who have a lot at risk on this thought, uh, you know, uh, Indiana was only favored by six and a half points. You got to take a step back and look at. There was a lot of good things. We we brought up a lot of good things. Uh, and from a coaching perspective, you coach to perfection. So tomorrow in the film room, you're going to point out a lot of the things that we did, you know, guarding your yard, guarding your bounce on the dribble, not overhelping in situations like that, not fouling the drive uh, defensively. And then, again, evaluate offensively, you know, what, what's a good shot, what's a not, not a good shot. I think the biggest thing for me is, is to try to get some players to understand early in the shot clock, move the basketball uh, is the most important thing going forward. Trey's got to take threes at some point late in the shot clock or at least to show people he's willing to or he'll never get guarded. Uh, but I think he's trying to make things happen too, too fast. Uh, but overall, uh, again, uh, we're sitting here with a, a 500 record right now, and I feel we're only one – the Northwestern game is the only game that really sticks with me. That's negative. Uh, you change that around to nine and four, four and two in the Big Ten, losing close games in overtime, uh, losing on the road, losing to a top number one seed. I think Texas. Um, we, we we're feeling a little bit better, so let's beat Purdue and then go get one from a, one of the bigger ones to to balance out that loss to Northwestern. And we're kind of where I think most people would have said that 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 we're at. Um, so stay the course. It, it is Indiana. It, it's not the the people here next door to me. Uh, and for that, you should be forever blessed that you are on this show and not following some of that crap that comes in here in, in West Lafayette. So don't ups and downs. Don't ever lose focus of that. You've made the right selection people in the chat mob of listening to this show and following the Indiana Hoosiers, even in down times. Go Hoosiers. Yeah. From, from my perspective, uh, I'll, I'll try to take the hopefully not overly optimistic viewpoint. I think if you want to be frustrated with this team, the, the frustrations are the inconsistency and the lack of, uh, of being able to, to really close people out and, and shut things down late. Uh, I, I think one of the things that contributes to that lack of consistency and, and maybe an inability to extend leads is because you haven't had enough guys that you really were, able to feel comfortable with that they were playing well at a given moment. And I think it's not great to have your second leading scorer sidelined, but I think it has forced some other guys to step up in moments. And some of those, some of these guys were already starting, but you've seen improved play from Al and from Rob, more aggressive play from those guys. You've seen Jerome Hunter. We talked about him a lot. You've seen uh, improvements from Anthony Leal. And so when all the pieces come back together and who knows when Armand's going to be back, you don't know whether he'll be available for Purdue or not. You got another few days to, to figure that out. But I think if you want to look, take the positive viewpoint of this and, and, and just step back and say, Hey, they won a game. They, they had to win on the road, the most winnable road game on their schedule. And you got that taken care of. And on the way to doing that, you've started to see other guys be able to contribute in ways they weren't doing and they weren't doing consistently earlier in the season. So you got to hope that those things start to pay dividends when you get into a, a really st tough stretch of play, which is kind of starts this week, but then you get into that that crazy stretch where you've got Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa again uh, within a five-game span. So, you know, if you want to look at this positively and, and quite honestly uh, at this point, I'd much rather look at it that way than, than the other way around as much as I might get frustrated uh, in, in the overall flow of the game. I think those are things that you can get excited about uh, in terms of those guys making contributions. So this team will go as far as Trey Jackson Davis takes them, and they need better perform, more consistent performances from him in the game than what they saw tonight. But I think being able to have guys who have stepped up in supporting roles and stepped up to pick up the slack with Armand being out, 
is a positive. And if you step back and look at some of these games without getting into the, if you told me they'd take Wisconsin to double overtime on the road, you'd feel pretty good about it. You don't love how the game played out. Uh, it's not a moral victory. If you told me they win by eight on the road against Nebraska, eh, maybe that might be less than I would think. But again, as coach said, it was around what the spread would be. It was just watching the game and the, the, the moments in it where they ebb and flow and play well at times and, and not as well at others uh, can be frustrating. But I think when you take a step back and, and look at where they are and who's coming on and playing well, uh, I think there's there's reason to be positive. At least that's given me reason to be positive as much as it was uh, frustrating at times. So we'll see what happens uh, on, on Thursday night against Purdue. I think a win there would go a long way toward making a whole lot of people feel better. But We'll talk about that then. And so for now, that'll do it for this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. Until then, take it from me. Nick's eyes loft. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And as always, go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All righty. Thank you, fellas. That ended up being a little bit longer than we thought. But no no win is a simple win with uh, with this team, I don't think oh, so. <laughs> always something to talk through. Hey, tonight wasn't, tonight wasn't one of them, Andy, but Indiana has four quad one and quad two wins. Virginia has zero. True. Duke true. Duke has zero. Michigan State only has two. Kentucky so, has zero too. Yeah. Did no, no, they got, uh, one, they got they, one. They, one, they have one. That's right. Yesterday. That's right. Yeah. Ah. Snuck one or two yeah. out. So not that that's um, where Indiana needs to be, but yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Purdue game would be a big one to get, and Michigan State looks. Doesn't look that great. Boy, that other stretch, though. That stretch of those other five games. Holy jeez. Rutgers is starting to struggle. Yeah, they really are, too. Ohio Ohio State's kind of got their number. Yeah, Rutgers has hung their hat on guarding, and and they're not guarding this this year as well. And I think Ohio State, while, you know, a lot of people were in love with Ohio State at the beginning of the year, I haven't been impressed. The team that's really been more than I thought was Michigan. Michigan. You know, Michigan's really played well. Yeah, I've been impressed in the stretches of them that I've watched for sure. Which, yeah, I didn't know. Recruiting all that closely, but yeah, Hunter Dickinson, he's been he's been outstanding. So, yeah. oh well, we'll see thanks, what happens. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks, Chris. Hey, I was uh, I was a little worried after I forget which the which of the losses did you come on? It was two in a row. Oh yeah, I have the dreaded blue screen on my laptop, and I, yeah. yeah, was that the Northwestern game that you were on though? Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah it was that one. I was. Yeah, I mean, I if, wasn't gonna. If we had lost tonight, it was gonna be my last show because there's something about me being on the post game and and the losses. You know, I was. Yeah, I didn't want to have to. I didn't want to have to do it. Uh, talk about it, regardless. But I certainly didn't want to have to talk about it after you had to come on against. Certainly, at the time, that seemed like a really surprising loss. So Northwestern's losing a little bit of steam as well. But uh, yeah, three in a row. Yeah, that know. was that was not good. So, oh well, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things go well on Thursday night, and that'll be a little more pleasant. I don't know who. I think I'm going to be on. Coach, it might be you, me, and Ryan. Maybe. Yeah, I'm available. So I'm not sure. So. Anyway, we'll figure it out. That's it's way too far off to uh, to plan for for me at this point. So, 
we'll get it figured out. But Chris, thanks for being on. Yeah, good time with you guys. Appreciate it as always. Glad to give you a break from from hosting after the uh, after the other night. So, well, care, hey, I had one of those Chris. <laughs> all right, take care, Chris. So I was hosting, and then all of a sudden, my TVs went out and everything went out uh, like two minutes before the tip off um, from last Thursday's game. But luckily, it recovered. So, yeah, it's always nice to know the pressure's not on. Absolutely. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Coach. Thanks, uh, Chat Mob. Say hi to everyone, Andy, your wife and kids. All right. You do the same. Thanks, uh, Chat Mob. Enjoy it. Everybody have a good good start to the week. We'll uh, talk to you on Thursday. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.